to 33. For those of you who may be visiting, we've been doing a Bible study for uh, some time intermittently on 10 megatrends in the religious world. And then, Dennis Halverson has been complaining. He only heard me preach one time last month, so I have to go back to work this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Ezekiel 33. I want somebody to get for me 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Uh, somebody like to get that for me? Way back this morning. We're putting the back rows. Is uh, Sharon. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I want somebody to get for me Ezekiel 33. 31 through 33. Who will get that is Dennis is going to get that for us. So we're going to move through this this morning. I, uh, For those of you who are visiting, I was inspired. The Lord uh, spoke to me in December of 99 that we're going to be facing these uh, trends in our fellowship. And little did I know how much uh, that uh, this was uh, going to be uh, relevant uh, as we are standing here this morning, that these ten megatrends, which are in the religious world, uh, would become a factor in our fellowship and uh, in our church. We will have to deal with this. So we want to uh, uh, take a, uh, a, tr- a track this morning is uh, about entertainment-oriented ministry. This is one of the megatrends, is an entertainment-oriented ministry. Now, this is a media uh, oriented generation. This is the first generation that has come full uh, circle that was raised on television and movies. Uh, actually, uh, the uh, television has taken center stage. This uh, generation has been raised on uh, media, and it's become a major part of the, the lives of most of this generation. They've, it's an appetite. I've been created uh, by the senses for a satisfaction in this area, and the sad truth is that the Church of Jesus Christ has picked up on this and begun to cater to this. Instead of a solid diet, uh, Bible preaching, Bible teaching, and truth, uh, and Bible-centered messages that gathered people around truth, uh, our generation of, of, uh, of religion has uh, gathered people around talented, uh, gifted, charismatic uh, individuals or teams for religious feel-good happening. This is, a, this is a, a capsulization of what's happened in our generation. And I want to read the prophecy of uh, Paul, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. If you read that out loud for us, and this is the prophecy that is coming to pass even as we sit here this morning. There's many facets of this that you recognize immediately. Uh, let me read it to you in another translation. It says, You may be quite sure that in the last days there are going to be some difficult times. People will be self-centered and grasping, boastful, arrogant and rude, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, irreligious, heartless, and unappeasable. They will be slanders, profligates, savages, and enemies of everything that is good. They will be treacherous and reckless and demented by pride, Preferring their own pleasure to God, they'll keep up the outward appearance of religion, but will have rejected the inner power of it, have nothing to do with people like that. So we want to focus this morning on uh, an entertainment-oriented ministry. Here's a very interesting prophecy from Ezekiel, and I'd like to launch off on that, use that for the basis of our study this morning. Ezekiel 33, 31 through 33. So they come to... 
has been among them. Okay, this was spoken uh, by the prophet Ezekiel. These are the words of God. And it's very fitting in the generation in which we live because there's messianic overtones. In other words, this has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's, uh, it's uh, prophesied and is very fitting in our generation. So I want to talk to you for a moment, and uh, I'm going to get a good bit of input this morning on the appeal to the aesthetic. Uh, the aesthetic means that there's a sense perception. That means that uh, there is something that uh, touches our uh, five senses, begins to appeal to us. Uh, and uh, we have the ability, God's given us the ability to appreciate beauty. We have the, appreciate, uh, the ability to appreciate uh, music, art, and uh, pleasing appearance. And much of religion is uh, focused around that. Uh, and one of the things that we do uh, in uh, a tour to Israel is we go up Mount Carmel. And so going up Mount Carmel, you, uh, you take off in um, uh, Haifa and uh, start to wind up beyond the uh, Hebrew University uh, up the hill. But as you start up the hill in Haifa, you pass the Baha'i Temple. The Baha'i Temple is a world-famous building. Uh, it has uh, gardens that have been cultivated that uh, tourists come from around the world. And this is one of their main stops, is to stop in there. We never stop to see it because uh, trees are trees. Amen. Right? Trees are trees. I'm not a tree hugger. So uh, I'm not. The, 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 the thing about Israel is it doesn't have to do with somebody's gardens. But this temple has a solid gold sheet for the roof. And it shines in the sun. I'm talking it, 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 it is a pretty striking appearance. And the reason they do that is that uh, these gardens are appealing. These, uh, this building is very uh, majestic. It's very appealing. And uh, the reason is because this appeals to the sense nature of human beings. It doesn't matter that the Baha'is are crazy as a pet coon. That has nothing to do with it. Their doctrine is uh, you have to be insane to be a Baha'i. And I don't hesitate an instant. I've witnessed to the Baha'is, and uh, they're the closest thing to insanity of anybody I've ever met. And uh, whatever you are, that's what they believe. And they can't, they can't see the contradiction. say, well, uh, I believe in uh, men on the moon. I, I believe that. That's true. Well, I believe uh, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, uh, the only way to heaven. I believe that. Uh, I believe that Buddha is, uh, is uh, the right way. I believe that. And so these strange people called Baha'is have this uh, totally contradictory ability to, uh, uh, to try to embrace everything and not disagree with anything. But uh, they have a beautiful temple there. It's been there for a long, long time. This is uh, one of the uh, outstanding religious attractions. Uh, and uh, it gives an appearance, an aesthetic appeal. And to look on those gardens and, and on the building itself, uh, it has an appeal. If you went to Jerusalem, uh, right where they're having uh, big upheavals right now is, is called uh, the Dome of the Rock. The reporters, of course, are sitting at a desk writing this, and uh, they say the whole thing is about the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And that's not true. Uh, it's a Dome of the Rock. It is not the Al-Aqsa Mosque. The Al-Aqsa Mosque sits on a corner back in the back. But the reporters, of course, are like all reporters these days. They do all their work at a desk. And none of them have the, have the intelligence to begin to uh, verify or to authenticate. Uh, they just pick up what somebody says and run with it and reprint it. And so it's very, uh, it's very apparent as you read the paper this morning. Right? It says that right there on the Al-Aqsa Mosque where 
the, uh, uh, where the Jews want to build their temple. This is where that's all happening. Well, it isn't. It's happening at the Dome of the Rock. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is actually very ugly from the outside. It has black domes, and, and it's not attractive at all. It sits on one corner of the wall. But the Dome of the Rock is a gorgeous building. Uh, if you've ever seen any of the pictures, uh, every tour group to Israel always have their picture taken in, in one of the arches, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, because it has a golden dome in back, and it's very, very attractive. Solid gold sheet. Uh, King Hussein of Jordan uh, had that uh, uh, covered, recovered, uh, within my memory, it's been maybe eight years or so, uh, at the cost of $20 million, solid gold. He had that resheeted. And as U.S. money, of course, that he got in USAID, but uh, that's beside the point. He said, made a... Why are you blinking at me? <laughs> and so it's a very, very beautiful building. It uh, has a, a solid gold uh, uh, dome. It has uh, Persian rugs, uh, carpets all over the floor. It has marble pillars. Uh, it has golden inscriptions. It has Arabic. It has jeweled inlays all over it. And it's a very beautiful building. And so to look at that building, uh, it is a very attractive building to our senses. It has an aesthetic appeal. Uh, however, Islam uh, is a total contradiction as Antichrist. And so an aesthetic appeal has very little uh, to do with truth. This is why I'm sharing this with you. Uh, I've been to St. Peter's uh, in Rome uh, and the Vatican Museum. And so in St. Peter's uh, uh, is, uh, is one of the largest churches in the world. I guess it is the largest church in the world. has 43 altars under one roof. Uh, it has uh, gold everywhere. It has marble. It has, uh, it has uh, art. Uh, the Vatican Museum is next to it. It has treasure, priceless treasure beyond description. Uh, years and years ago, we went through the Vatican Museum, just a portion of it. It would take you two weeks or three weeks to go through the whole thing. But it has treasures that have been gathered from all over the world of art, of gold, of paintings, uh, of tapestry. Uh, Sistine Chapel, which Michelangelo uh, painted, is right adjoining that. And, uh, and that's one of the treasures of the world. Uh, however, Roman Catholicism is not true. That upsets you? Why, God bless you. You pray for me. I'll pray for you. I've been to Moscow in the Red Square. They have the uh, beautiful onion-domed uh, churches. I think there's five domes in this one building, and uh, it has gold inlay. It has uh, altars under each one of those, uh, and it's very beautiful. Uh, however, uh, uh, it has very little to do with truth. Uh, Schuller uh, over the Crystal Cathedral Glass and Garden Church, red, solid red marble altar called out, carved out of solid uh, marble, spurting fountains in greenery, and, uh, and this is all, uh, all there uh, in religion to give an aesthetic uh, appeal. Now, in the Middle Ages, they had what they called uh, uh, an arcane theology. This is, uh, they felt that there was a mystical power to beautiful religious buildings. In other words, these buildings had the ability to reach up into heaven, bring something down from heaven. Now, that's what they really believed, and that's why they built this into their building. Some mysterious spiritual power uh, that was, uh, was enhanced by 
their buildings and they would bring a spiritual dimension down from heaven and these domes as for instance in the uh, uh, in the onion dome churches in in uh, russia uh, each of them have an altar under them and that was their theology with these these uh, domes are constantly praying and bringing down uh, mysterious power uh, from god and interceding for god's favor i've actually read robert Schuler's quote from the Glass and Garden Church, he be, he's embraced that theology and he really believed when he built the building that this was bringing some spiritual power into the place where it is. Well, it, uh, I'm not sure what kind of spiritual power is there, but at any rate, uh, it doesn't fit in with the Bible. So there's a modern-day tendency. The reason I'm telling you all this, there's a modern-day tendency that is, that is moving back to this uh, entertainment-oriented uh, ministry that appeals to the aesthetic nature of mankind, and it uh, tends to uh, to move in the soulish realm, and uh, it appeals to the, to the aesthetic nature. Some of this is as music, uh, the feel-good uh, uh, services, where uh, there's a 15-minute sermon. This is becoming uh, uh, prominent. Even some of our churches, they, they, they say there's direct theology, a 15-minute service. And then a two-and-a-half-hour uh, worship orgy where they're uh, wanting to trigger uh, a tremendous power from God and uh, all of this. And this actually happened in some of our churches. And so the problem is, is uh, it's not Bible. Because we feel good, uh, many people conclude they have worshipped God. How many of you guys ever did LSD? Let me see your hand. Did you feel good? I mean, be honest, did you feel good? How many of you ever smoked pot? Let me see your hands. Oh, we picked up a few that time, all right? <laughs> did you feel good when you smoked pot? Absolutely. Does that prove that you were worshiping? Absolutely not. So we have to speak to reality this morning. And uh, because we feel good does not mean that we have worshiped. The trend in the religious world is to... A elaborate production, and the more elaborate the production, the more uh, that uh, it is a uh, it is a sign that you're worshiping God. And so, this is a present focus. Uh, there is a, a, a you've heard me preach on it, called the worship wars. Uh, this uh, battle is uh, raging in the Christian world. Long drawn out worship services, music, and music, worship team, and props. All of these are for the purpose. Uh, uh, producing a feeling, a euphoria, a, uh, a conclusion that you have worshipped God. I was in Kenya uh, last month and I turned on the, the tube to the Christian uh, TV, whatever it was. It showed TBN. God delivers from TBN. And so uh, uh, I was very interested in the elaborate props that they had on the stage. Now, I'm assuming this was a tape that was uh, brought into Kenya and uh, was replayed by some religious group there. I don't really know because I didn't watch that much of it. But uh, uh, they had the Holy of Holies reproduced, which was uh, huge. I mean, this was a huge prop with seraphim supposedly looking down uh, on the Holy of Holies to reproduce what was in the tabernacle uh, of Israel. And, uh, and, and they had a singer uh, that was involved in this one uh, thing and he absolutely had the crowd hype, foaming at the mouth, foaming at the mouth, foaming at the mouth. I'm talking, he had him, and this whole prop was there—an aesthetic 
uh, uh, imagery to produce in them uh, the feeling that we were in the Holy of Holies. Well, I want to tell you that we're long past the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies. That's, that's what the revelation of Jesus Christ is all about. We're far past the incense altars. We're far past the table of showbread. All of this is reproduced in a spiritual dimension in the gospel of Jesus Christ and our access into the Holy of Holies. And to go back to that and try to produce that uh, is uh, bordering on blasphemy, very close to that, because that's not what God's all about. So at any rate, uh, uh, their uh, use of incense and even in Pentecostal services, uh, reproduction of an altar, try to reproduce the altar that was in the, uh, was in the tabernacle, reproduce, it, reproduce the ark, and so on and so forth, and musical uh, staging. And so while I was preparing this uh, lesson, uh, I thought to myself, uh, perhaps this is why the Church of Christ uh, many years ago took a stance that they were not going to have any musical instruments in their services. I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, because they have this theology. I don't know if you know that. Church of Christ are not instrumental. Maybe this is the reason. Uh, well, I don't know back in their beginning history. But at any rate, there's so much going on now that is uh, absolutely uh, disturbing to my spirit and I'm, uh, I'm pretty clustered in Prescott, Arizona. I don't really know all that's out there, but just a couple of the, uh, shots that I saw uh, is enough to make you uh, uh, absolutely enraged at what's being forced off on the Christian world as actually being Christianity. So we want to get some Bible principles this morning. Ezekiel prophesied very accurately, and he says there's going to come a time when they're going to uh, interpret being in the presence of God or the service of God as nothing more than a beautiful song. It makes him feel good, and this is entertainment-oriented uh, ministry. I want some scripture this morning, if we could uh, uh, just have these. Exodus chapter 20, 24 through 26. Pete, if you'd like to get that for us. I want Deuteronomy 27, verses 5 and 6. Pete Baker, uh, I want Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6. Somebody like to get that is Louis Polino. Now, we have some foundational truths in the Bible. Uh, these are principles that are laid down. Uh, these may not uh, always carry uh, absolutely true to the moment, uh, but they're going to be a principle that are, you're going to see carried through in the entire Word of God in the Revelation, and uh, we want to take a look at this. One of these is Exodus 20, 24 through 26. An altar of earth you shall make for me. I want you to sacrifice. Now, altar this morning is, is many things you could say about altars. But an altar is a place where people meet God. This is what an altar is all about. This is where God condescends and man, through sacrifice, is going to have a uh, relationship with God. And so God says these words, an altar of earth you will make me and you're going to sacrifice uh, on that altar. Go ahead, Pete. If you make me an altar of stone, now he's speaking to a principle, I don't want you to build it elaborately. I don't want you to carve on it, engrave it. Uh, just pick up rocks out of the field and build me an altar with that. If you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. All right, here are principles that God is laying down. Those principles are going to carry through because here's the basic principle. 
this is the first instruction that God gives concerning this. There are other altars. Abraham built altars. Noah built altars. Uh, but we aren't. Uh, we don't have any instruction that God said, this is how I want it built. This is what I want. So here's a principle, and that principle God's laying down to give us a guideline concerning the basic premise of worship or his meeting with man. That's what an, or, uh, an altar is, is a place where God meets with man. Or in other words, uh, this is the entrance into the presence of God. There's going to be something very powerful and very important here. Deuteronomy 27, 5 and 6. There you shall build an altar, an altar of stone. You shall not use an iron tool upon it. Make it out of whole stones, just like you find them. You'll offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You're going to find this basic premise is going to carry throughout the Scripture of the simplicity of the foundational truth, and it'll carry throughout. Exodus 20, 5 and 6. All right, here's a, in the giving of the Ten Commandments. God is very careful to lay a principle there. He does not want any representation that man can use in religious service because it has in it the power to distract, misrepresent, and you'll find on over in the, uh, in the, in the scriptural uh, biblical revelation, it has the power to take on a demonic presence. Okay. So uh, we have that laid very clearly uh, in the Scripture. A little bit of prophetic insight we want to get this morning. I want uh, 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 in this section right here. Somebody help me. Brian, 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I want 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. Somebody else. Uh, Jacob, would you like to get that for me? 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. A little bit of prophetic insight. I want to just lay a, a little bit of... Uh, uh, groundwork and that's it's going. May we have any questions? Do we have any questions right at this point? We're talking about an entertainment-oriented ministry. Entertainment-oriented ministry becoming very prominent in the age in which we live because this is a media generation, an entertainment-oriented ministry, rather than the preaching of the Word of God, which has historically been uh, the essence of a congregation and a, 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 a coming into contact with truth. An entertainment-oriented ministry. Anybody have any question or comment? Uh, Eleanor? Is, there, is this happening all over the world or just here in America? Well, mostly in America, uh, uh, because America is the place where all the nut stuff starts. And so uh, uh, we have been saturated with the media uh, since uh, the 50s, actually, as uh, television began to make uh, inroads prominently in, in, in about the 50s. And, uh, and it's grown to such an extent that uh, uh, this has become very prominent. And so other cultures do not have. You go outside a city in many nations today, and uh, they don't even have uh, electricity, uh, much less the ability to have television. Uh, but sadly, some of them do. And so... Uh, uh, this is more prominent in the U.S. Now, along with that has come the invasion into the media of religion, especially Christianity, and our generation has seen the, the proliferation of that uh, to a very large degree. We've seen it perverted, go off into dingbat stuff that's beyond description. It's beyond description to me. 
Uh, we also have with that the ability to rapidly communicate in that uh, video has, uh, has the ability to uh, video either a service, uh, video a, uh, a ministry, uh, video the net factor that goes with it, and, uh, and, and quickly uh, send that all over the world. And so this has, uh, uh, this has come to the forefront and is becoming very prominent in uh, our generation, entertainment-oriented ministry. And I'm talking specifically concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, rather than uh, what used to be uh, a biblical-centered, gospel-preaching, teaching ministry uh, that has begun to be laid aside. The emphasis no longer is on uh, Bible truth and preaching. It is now on entertainment under religious guys. Uh, uh, Steve Hernandez. <clears throat> How has the Internet affected the Church of Jesus Christ? Well, it's caused many pastors to lose their ministry. And so I'm not sure all the full ramifications uh, 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 worldwide or uh, U.S.-wide uh, uh, because my involvement in it is, is generally uh, to, uh, uh, to try to salvage churches and ministries that have been affected by pastors who have, uh, out of curiosity, clicked on and lost their soul in their ministry. And so uh, there's enough of that going on. I do know how it's affected the, uh, the congregations because, as I said before, there's hardly a week goes by. I don't get a call from somebody that's trying to uh, get some insight of how to deal with a family where the wife has gotten on, uh, on the, the computer and uh, in a chat room and run off with somebody she's never met to Bangkok or some place uh, and uh, dumped her family as a demon spirit. So I do know about that, but as far as, as uh, uh, worldwide or U.S.-wide, I don't really know, Steve. I just know the, the occasions I have to deal with. And so uh, anyone that's on the Internet, uh, be warned. Uh, you, uh, uh, you have men that are paid a million dollars to create one spot that will reach out and hook you, capture your interest, and bring you into and destroy your soul. Why are you so also quiet this morning? And I'm not talking about a book I've read. I'm talking about actual cases that I have had to deal with or counsel of people around the world of this very fact. Uh, Pete? Uh, Pete says one thing that helped him is he came out of the entertainment segment or element. Okay, when he saved, uh, they, uh, he had been involved around town in doing uh, in the entertainment industry. And so, uh, or some facets of it. And so, when he got saved, they came to him and said, We're not interested in that in you. Go ahead. Okay, he had a guitar, shoved it under the bed, and, uh, and he said he wouldn't use it until God uh, uh, spoke to him that he's, it's okay to use it. Okay, we have a rule. How many of you know there's rules in life? Don't you hate rules? Cults make rules. Rules, these rules. We hate these rules. We have a rule in our church. It's been embraced largely uh, by our fellowship, although by not all, that when people come in, uh, we don't care what kind of talent they got. Uh, they're not going to use it for us. Six months they're going to sit uh, before, uh, before uh, we have allowed them to use their talent. And there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is that we're not going to pick them up ruin their life by uh, shoving them to high profile 
Besides, we want to watch their character for a while to see if they're not just entertainers, but they have the ability to minister. Very good, Pete. Somebody else? Uh, question, Bear Montgomery. All right, this is, uh, he read a book uh, 25 years ago, and uh, the guy made the argument that TV destroys their reading ability. Reading ability, okay. desire to read, the skill to read, and, and to lock into it. Must be entertaining, and so this is a whole generation. There's an appetite created that has to be entertaining uh, because if it, uh, if it works your brain, uh, you can't hold their attention span. Is that what you're saying? That's right. A, 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 a pattern. A growth uh, faculty of the brain. Development faculty. And so, and so, some of the world is catching up to what Christians already know. No, they and don't. I know. We hate that. It's no fun. So, uh, everything has to be fun. Yeah, there's a book. There's a book that's actual documentation. Is uh, why Johnny can't learn. Why, why Johnny can't read? Why Johnny can't read documents this very fact uh, of the permanent damage, not temporary, permanent damage done to the developmental ability of the brain through video and uh, games and through television. It's a uh, Victor. He who controls the music of a nation controls the minds of a few. Okay, so let's uh, have Second Timothy four one and two because here's some prophetic insight uh, before we uh, continue on. Who had that? All right, here's the Apostle Paul speaking to this young pastor, Timothy, and focusing on the Word of God preached and taught. Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4. Okay, does that sound anything like what's going on today in the world in which we live? I think it does. So, uh, something that we need to mark down this morning is you don't need truth to gather a crowd. All you need to do is appeal to self-interest, carnal appetite, promise of prosperity, sexual gratification, uh, and so on and so forth. Witness the ancient religions uh, of Astarte, of uh, Diana, of the Ephesians, of the Baals, Numbers chapter 25 in the Bible, and you'll find that many of the ancient religions focused on uh, the sexual appetite, pulled them in for sexual gratification. That was the focus of their religion. And this is why they uh, drew large crowds and adherents. Uh, if you, uh, if you uh, uh, will read the Bible carefully, you'll find that God has always had a preaching-centered ministry. This is what it is. The Word of God proclaimed the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish, but unto us it is the power of God, uh, is what the Apostle Paul said in Corinthians. You do not have to have truth to gather a crowd uh, witness the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> Can anybody bear with it? I mean, that's the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. How uh, intelligent adults. You know, I, I may have made this point before, but, but uh, uh, I was saved back in, uh, in 1954. These are the days of early television. Gorgeous George was a wrestler. <laughs> and I was astonished. Uh, because it, my mother-in-laws, we used to watch a bit of television over there, and these wrestling, is, uh, I said, how can anybody watch this phony baloney? What, what joy do you get out of seeing uh, some idiot out there that uh, is uh, faking 
these these mat thumps and throwing people around and uh, it's totally beyond me it, it has to be a commentary on our generation that anyone could find any entertainment in the World Wrestling Federation that's totally beyond me but here's here are thousands upon thousands of people that dip into their wallets put out hard cash to get an auditorium of insane people and scream and holler over something that's totally staged you have got to be nuts I'm sorry you have you've got to be demented there has to be something missing in your personality to be able to pay hard cash to watch two overgrown stereo pumped idiots out there faking a fight how many of you ever been in a fight? Anybody ever been in a fight? I've been in fights. Fights bring blood. Don't take much of a fight to bring blood. How, how long has it been since you saw any blood pouring from the WWF performers? Well, moving quickly on this morning. We want to uh, 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 come to grips with this if we could. I, I was down in Phoenix one time. Here, here's the issue that were dealing with the mindset. I was uh, passing through Phoenix and I saw a billboard advertisement and I was taken by this because on the billboard it said, Little Rascal School. Now immediately, you know who the Little Rascals are. These are the kids that they've thrown out of every church, uh, or every school that there is, right? Little Rascal School. They've been expelled. And so this is Little Rascal School for rebellious children where learning is fun. Now, learning is not fun, necessarily. Abraham Lincoln, Bear just used this as an illustration. Uh, learning takes uh, engaging your brain. It does not appeal to uh, your carnal nature. Uh, you, lots of things you'd like to be doing besides that. So let's have a couple of scriptures again. Ezekiel 31, 1, 2, 3. Let's have that again. Somebody over here. Daniel, you'll read that again for us. I want 1 Timothy 1, 4 is uh, Mike Solano. I want 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 7 is Jacob Clement. And, uh, and so let's have those and uh, we'll open for some more discussion in a moment. What we're dealing with this morning is very profound. It's very uh, prominent in the religious world. And this is the emphasis on entertainment or entertainment-oriented ministry rather than the preaching of the Word of God. Ezekiel 33, 1 through 3. Let's have that, Daniel. Is that, did I give that to you? Okay. All right, here is a command from the Lord, and he's warning them about the conditions of the hour, and he's trying to get them to understand and need to hear truth of what's going to happen in their generation. I don't think you're reading what I gave you. Ezekiel 33, 1 through 3. Is that it? 31 through 33, yes. I'm sorry. They hear the words. They won't do them. They're very religious. Say, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Wonderful, Lord. Jesus, we love you. You're like an entertainer. You're like one who's playing on an instrument pleasant to hear. They hear my words, but they will not do them. Where is, 
when this comes to pass, you're going to know this prophet has spoken. First Timothy 1, uh, 1 verse 4. Uh, here again, we're dealing with an entertainment, uh, 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 entertainment element of uh, telling stories, uh, fabulous stories to gain attention, but the, the stories are strictly entertainment, uh, uh, they're not uh, spiritual value, and uh, there are many stories. Uh, we might go through this again next week. Uh, there are myths about the boy Jesus. He's healed birds' legs and, and birds' wings. This is total mythology. There's no ba Bible basis for that anywhere. The Bible carries the record of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. It begins in Cain of Galilee when he turned the water into wine. And this is the biblical revelation. And truth uh, is there. First Timothy 4, 6 and 7. Reject profane and old wives' fables. These are stories that entertain but do not convey truth. Maybe we have a couple of more comments or uh, some queries at this point. Uh, Steve Garfield. To those of you visiting this morning, we're dealing with uh, 10 megatrends in the religious world. One of these is in the church world is entertainment-oriented ministry over the preaching of the gospel. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Steve. Okay, these, we, we, yeah. we have music groups that uh, they, uh, they go into outreach ministries in other places and uh, even play locally. And so they give them a list of what they want them to do. They want them to entertain. Okay, go ahead. No, if, you, if you're going to be an entertainer, you might as well play at the Palace Bar. If you're going to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have to aim and adapt your ministry to reaching souls and conveying a spirit and a message. Go ahead. Fine line between uh, in, in using uh, ministry, uh, using music as ministry, there's a fine line that you have to walk, have to constantly monitor what you're doing, what your motives are. Uh, and if you're a pastor, a direct, uh, 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 a, uh, uh, a door director, you have to monitor what's happening because uh, uh, carnality uh, gets in and the next thing you know people become entertainers for entertainers sake and you have to slap them three or four times and say that's not what we want we want ministry okay very good somebody else uh, who is it back there to, can't see you say Pam loud for me real loud but this is an entertainment oriented generation that's why that you saw that uh, Jake what kind of dancing you want to do this morning, Jake? <laughs> what? You're not going to do it this morning. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Anybody, another input or question? Uh, it's Dave Burke. 1966, You were part of that? Yes. Oh, okay. Were you saved then? No, 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 not at all. No, we were all sinners. Did you smoke any pot about that time? <laughs> no, not entertaining and having a good time. Religious entertainers. That's all we were. Keeping the kids off the streets. Well, no. <laughs> okay, the Lord bless you. We're here. I'm going to go into the morning service just now. Thank you for uh, your attention.